0: The book of Exodus contains some of the Bible's most iconic moments. The burning bush, the plagues, the Passover, the Exodus itself, the crossing of the Red Sea and the drowning of the Egyptian army, the giving of the Ten Commandments at Sinai, the golden calf, and of course, the instructions for the building of the tabernacle. This one book contains some of the Bible's most exciting and dramatic episodes and the book has exerted a huge influence in popular culture so let me begin with a quick overview in renaissance art rembrandt's moses is one of his most famous works he looks rather angry doesn't he nicholas poussin's adoration of the golden calf is also a classic work from the same period in literature dorothy clark wilson's prince of egypt published in 1952 was the primary source for both Cecil B. DeMille's Ten Commandments film and Disney's animation Prince of Egypt. The book refashions the Exodus story as a story about sibling rivalry. And Leon Uris's 1958 novel Exodus charts the upheaval surrounding the birth of modern Israel in 1947. The Prime Minister of the day, David Ben-Gurion, hailed it as the finest work of propaganda ever written about Israel. In music, African-American spirituals drew inspiration from the Exodus story, most famously in the song, Go Down Moses, with the refrain, Let my people go. The song was recorded by Al Jolson, Louis Armstrong and Fats Waller, amongst others, but perhaps most famously by Paul Robeson, with that incredible deep voice. Rastafarian reggae master Bob Marley released an album called Exodus in which the title song has a revolutionary theme inspired by Moses leading the Israelites to freedom. It reached number 14 in the UK chart. In 2006 an album with the title Plague Songs Uh, was released. It was inspired by the new atheism of men like Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens, and the songs are filled with a sense of horror at what God has done to Egypt. There's no celebration of God bringing justice for Israel. Instead, we're meant to feel sympathy for the frogs and the flies, as a vengeful God turns nature against humans. Even heavy metal has drawn on Exodus for inspiration, Metallica wrote a song called Creeping Death which is based on the final plague and somehow seems an entirely appropriate combination of form and content. In politics Nelson Mandela is often referred to as a new Moses leading the black South Africans to freedom and before him Martin Luther King built a whole political movement around his interpretation of exodus. He saw his struggle for black rights in America as the next chapter in a continuing story. On the day before he was assassinated, he gave a speech in which he pictured himself as a new Moses. I've been to the mountain top, he said, I've looked over and I have seen the promised land. But most of all, perhaps the influence of Exodus can be seen in film, which is not surprising, really, when you consider the visual power of the stories. Cecil B. DeMille's 1956 film, The Ten Commandments, starring Charlton Heston as Moses and Yol Brynner as Pharaoh Ramses was actually his second attempt at filming the Exodus story. He made a silent version back in 1923. But DeMille was driven by the moral vision of Exodus, firstly in terms of freedom from oppression, but also in terms of the positive morality that arises from the laws themselves. At a time when morality was crumbling, DeMille was forthright in his attempts to recover a biblical basis for behavior as he promoted the Ten Commandments as laws to live by. It was a huge success at the box office and returned the Book of Exodus to a significant place within wider culture. And other spin-offs soon followed, including the 1974 TV series, Moses the Lawgiver, Where the role of Moses was played by Burt Lancaster. Lancaster himself said in his autobiography that the laws themselves were fine but were not for him. That reflected a growing subjectivity about morality. In 1980 a spoof movie appeared called Holy Moses written by Guy Thomas and starring Dudley Moore and Richard Pryor. It was a similar idea to Monty Python's Life of Brian where the story revolves around an imposter. In this case, a man called Herschel, who wants to be Moses, but can't quite pull it off. One of the most famous versions is Disney's 1998 animation Prince of Egypt. This film went way beyond the Bible's version of events and drew on other sources, notably Clark Wilson's novel, which takes the main point of the story as the sibling rivalry between Moses and Ramses. There's also an interesting feminist reconstruction of Moses' wife Zipporah as a kind of ray from Star Wars. It's all good fun, but not very biblical fun and probably not the best way to teach the Bible to children. Finally, we have Ridley Scott's 2014 epic, Gods and Kings, starring Christian Bale and Ben Kingsley. Interestingly, it was banned in Egypt. Now, Scott is an English atheist And he wanted to avoid what he saw as biblical cliches. So God was portrayed as an 11 year old boy in his encounters with Moses. And uh, the lead actor, Christian Bale, said in interviews that he thought Moses was schizophrenic and thus the voices were in his own head. And Scott said that he would look for natural causes to explain the plagues and the miraculous sea crossing. But it is nevertheless an impressive bit of cinema. And I said finally, but actually, there's one more film version that's worthy of mention. The Lego version of Exodus is also available. I think there are three reasons why Exodus continues to have broad appeal. Uh, First, it's such a great story. It's perfect for visual representation. Add in some dramatic special effects and a catchy soundtrack and you've got a winner. Uh, Secondly, it's epic in scope. Exodus deals with history on a broad canvas and has inspired nationalistic struggles and independence movements around the world. It's even got a particular branch of theology that's been developed called liberation theology. So these are some of the big ideas, rescue and deliverance, freedom and faith, and they dominate the book of Exodus. And then third, it deals in morality. And that in itself creates tension. Do we accept the laws as given uh, or do we resist them? Is God good or capricious, as his critics maintain? Exodus will confront us then with choices about how we live. And what should be apparent from our brief cultural tour is that we need to develop our theology of Exodus from within the book itself, not from outside, From outside through 21st century eyes, there is much in Exodus that is hard to accept. How can anyone celebrate the death of the firstborn sons in Egypt or the destruction of the Egyptian army, horses and all? As Ramses says in Gods and Kings, as he holds his dead baby son, what sort of God does this? So we need to read Exodus with eyes that have been opened to the truth. From inside the story, the punishment on unrepentant Egyptian tyrants is something to celebrate. And we also need to read it in its biblical context. Uh, in, in terms of the, the story of the whole Bible, Exodus is the foundation not only of Israel's story, uh, but of biblical theology as a whole. Indeed, a case can be made that Exodus is the most theologically significant book of the Old Testament, although Isaiah might disagree. But Christians on the whole have been more interested in Genesis uh, rather than Exodus. And that's because of issues to do with origins. But for an Israelite, um, the book of Genesis is just a prelude to Exodus. It's the story of the birth of the nation. How God brings them out of slavery in Egypt through mighty displays of power and he rescues them for himself. Then he instructs them and tells them how to live as his people in a covenant relationship by giving them his laws. And then finally, he prepares to come and dwell among them. God is the main character in the book. He is the hero of the story. He rescues, he judges, he provides He guides, he commands, he forgives, he loves. And So in this uh, introduction, uh, I just want to set the scene, really. Uh, I'm just going to say a few, make a few brief comments about context, structure and themes. So as far as context goes, Exodus is the second book of the Bible. Uh, The first five books together make up what's known as the Torah, which is the Hebrew word for law or instruction. But these five books are also known as the Pentateuch, uh, which is from a Greek word meaning five parts or five volumes. And the English title of the book, Exodus, is taken from the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And it refers to a going out or a departure. It's where we get the word exit from. And uh, it summarises the central event. Uh, of the book the going out from Egypt the exodus from slavery and it continues the story begun in Genesis Genesis of course begins with the uh, account of creation uh, but this is quickly followed by the fall the account of how sin entered the world and chapters 3 to 11 of Genesis describe a world that is moving further and further away from God But then God acts. He calls a man named Abraham and he makes three promises to him. Uh, God said that he would bless Abraham with many descendants and that they would become a great nation. God would give them a land, the land of Canaan, and he would bless the world through them. People, land and blessing. These promises uh, really form the plot for the rest of the old testament from genesis 12 onwards Uh, but god reveals more details uh, to abraham in uh, genesis 15 verse 13 we read this then the lord said to him know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and that they will be enslaved and ill-treated there but i will punish the nation they serve as slaves And afterwards they will come out with great possessions. And by the end of uh, the book of Genesis, Abraham's family has indeed grown dramatically. That first part of the promise is fulfilled, uh, particularly through the 12 sons of Jacob. And the Joseph story uh, explains how they come to be in Egypt, how Abraham's descendants come end up in Egypt and uh, Genesis ends with these words, Uh, Genesis 50, verse 24. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110, and after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. Genesis then starts with life and ends with death. In the story of salvation, Exodus describes a massive step forward, and it reveals the way in which God rescues his people. In a way, it's a book about new creation. How God brings Israel from death to life, from slavery to freedom. Uh, So that's a little bit about the context. Uh, What then of the book itself? Well, basically, Exodus tells three stories. Uh, First, it tells the story of Israel's deliverance from slavery in Egypt, and that's chapters 1 to 19. God rescues his people and he brings them out with a mighty hand. But Israel's deliverance requires judgment on Egypt. Salvation and judgment are really two sides of the same coin. And the rescue is celebrated in chapter 15. And then there's a transition to the next major story, the the wilderness chapters. Uh, bring Israel through a time of testing and eventually they come to Mount Sinai and so that marks the second major story um, which begins in chapter 19 when the Israelites reach Sinai and there God reveals his laws to them the 10 commandments give the foundation principles uh, but it's followed by more detailed legislation in chapters 20 to 24 God calls his people to be holy as he is holy. And the relationship between God and Israel is called a covenant. And this covenant is to be structured by the law. And obedience to these laws will result in blessing. And in the Ten Commandments especially, uh, God gives Israel and us, and all humans in fact... A blueprint for living here we see the foundation principles for life but it was always God's intention to live among his people and this is the third big story the instructions for the building of the tabernacle which dominate chapters 25 to 40 this includes not only the the structure uh, of the, the basically it's a tent Not only instructions for how to build it, um, but also other things like the role of the priesthood, uh, as well as regulations for sacrifices and uh, festivals to be observed. And the book of Exodus finishes, climaxes really, with God Himself coming down to dwell in this tabernacle, uh, uh, and God's glory is manifest uh, in a cloud. But it only really highlights the problem that is revealed in the incident of the golden calf in chapters 32 and 33. Because the the central question is: how can this holy God dwell among a sinful rebellious people? And and even if God is there, sort of surrounded by this cloud and unapproachable, how can humans enter? How can humans ever have uh fellowship with this holy god how can the dwelling place of god become a tent of meeting between god and humans and that is the question that exodus leaves hanging and leviticus goes on to answer the next book of the bible and it tells us that fellowship between god and humans is only possible through sacrifice so exodus then is part of an ongoing story So the three big themes of Exodus um, are redemption, obedience and worship, how God saves his people and what he requires of us. And if we can understand Exodus and and grasp its main themes, we'll have a good foundation uh, for a whole biblical theology. Now, not surprisingly, uh, the Exodus story is not just of historical interest. It also defines the story of Jesus. Uh, Jesus's life somehow mirrors and repeats the experience of Egypt. Um, He too sojourns in Egypt and is brought out. Uh, He too spends time in the wilderness being tested. And when he spoke about his impending death, he called it uh, his departure. And uh, the word in Greek is Exodus. Looking forward to his death and his resurrection. And at the Last Supper, which was a Passover meal, Jesus spoke about a new covenant in his blood. Um, uh, Paul goes on to teach us that Jesus is our Passover lamb whose sacrifice rescues us from judgment and death so that the whole meaning of Jesus's death is set up for us in the book of Exodus not only that Jesus is God's very presence on earth it is in Jesus that God tabernacles amongst us, as John says, John 1.14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling, his tabernacle amongst us. He lived, came to live on earth. Um, <clears throat> Exodus also shows us what true freedom looks like. Not just freedom from oppressive forces, but freedom to live and serve God. It's in serving and obeying God that we find freedom. And then um, as the people gather at Mount Sinai to hear God speak, that becomes a paradigm for the church as the people of God gather together to hear the word of God. So Exodus then just helps us understand so much Uh, about the Christian life one more thing is worth highlighting at key points in the book God reveals his name to Moses God wants to be known and defined by his actions in fact he wants the whole world to know who he is God tells Pharaoh that he is sending the plague so that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth God instructs Israel how to live as his people in the world so they might display his character and make him known. Uh, Exodus 19, 4 to 6. These are perhaps the key verses in the book. They certainly summarise uh, the whole book. where God speaks and says, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself that's the first half of the book now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession Uh, then God gives them uh, the law (coughs) and then verse six although the whole earth is mine you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation these are the words you are to speak To the Israelites. The God of Exodus is our God, the God and Father of Jesus Christ, and and He hasn't changed. Uh, He's still in the rescue business, uh, saving people not from literal slavery, but from an even greater bondage our slavery to sin. And in Jesus, God has achieved full and final and free deliverance. And God still wants to bless his people and blessing is found in obedience. Now, of course, we still will still need to interpret the Old Testament laws in the light of Christ. But the principles haven't changed because God's character hasn't changed. He is the unique, one and only, faithful, life-giving God of truth. And the holy God requires the holy people and then the final thing says that god still wants to bless the world through the church israel's calling has now passed to the new covenant people of god (coughs) as peter writes in his letter says you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation that language comes straight from exodus 19 god's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light once you were not a people but now you are the people of god once you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy well that's all i think i want to say uh, today I hope that's given you a, a little bit of a handle on the uh, on the book as a whole. Uh, Carl is going to be kicking off the series in earnest next week Uh, so I'd encourage you to uh, please read chapter one and come ready to listen next time. But thanks for watching and God bless.